0: Well, good morning. morning. I am Danielle Kilgore, Danny for short, and I'm one of the pastors here on staff at Marine Covenant, and I am so excited to be before you this morning. We're going to continue our series on digging in an in-depth look at being God's church. And so previous weeks, the pastors, including Dr. Nystrom and Michael, have all done great jobs with explaining some of the external characteristics of the early church. But today, I want us to take an inside look. I want us to go into the church walls in a sense. I want us to meet the people. I want us to talk to them, and hopefully we'll even learn something new from the first Christian church, amen? All right, let's pray. Dear God, we just thank you so much for this day. We thank you, Lord, that you called us here this morning, because there was something you wanted to share with us. So God, I pray right now that every word that I speak will be directed completely from your spirit. God, I pray that the words that, we, that I speak this morning will breed love, will breed change, will breed obedience and, and peace and healing, God. That everything that we desire from you is right in this place. So God, we welcome you. We say, have your way. And we enjoy being in your presence. And we give you praise. And everyone said? Amen. Amen, amen, amen. So, again, I'm going to come from Acts chapter 6, verse 1 through 7. So the scripture I'll be reading is Acts chapter 6, verse 1 through 7. But... I also want to go back to Acts chapter 4, verses 32 through 35. I want us to get a glimpse of where the church was externally before we go into it. So we're going to start with Acts chapter 4, verses 32 through 35. And then we're going to take a walk over to two chapters, to Acts chapter 6, verse 1 through 7. All right, so Acts chapter four verses 32 says, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was theirs, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses, sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Oh, is that sweet? Now let's go to chapter 6, verse 1 through 7. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because Their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, please find, excuse me, brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. The title of my message is Trusting God Through Change. Trusting God Through Change. In Acts chapter 4, we see the church giving praise because they were all one mind, one body, and not even one was in need. But then we go to chapter six, just two chapters later. Now they're bickering about proportions. They're arguing about who has more and who's getting less. It's almost like if siblings were arguing over whose bowl of ice cream was bigger. And to make matters worse, they presented their complaint to the apostles. So picture those same siblings pleading their case before the U.S. Supreme Court. Excuse me, your honor, I am here today because my sister clearly has more ice cream in her bowl. The U.S. Supreme Court doesn't hear issues like that. But in the same sense, Peter and the apostles are saying the same thing. But if we take a deeper look and truly consider some things. We have to wonder, what made them think that was okay? Was there ever a time when the apostles would actually hear this issue and solve it? Had something changed? Well, actually it did. The church changed. A couple of weeks ago when Michael preached, he told us that Peter and the apostles led what is now coined to be a mega church? A megachurch is any church that has a weekly attendance of 2,000 people or more. So you think about it. Any organization of that size is bound to experience some change. But a megachurch doesn't start off mega. It has to grow to that. It starts off small, but by God's saving power, it grows to being a mega church. And if you ask people that are a part of those churches and who have been there from the beginning, they may say that I didn't even realize change was happening. And matter of fact, they don't even realize that the change even occurred until that change directly affects them. I tell you, it's something, about the word change that just does something for me emotionally. Change has the ability to just cause all types of emotions. For some people, they may get anxious. For others, they become angry and aggressive. And then others, they just shut down altogether. But why is that? Why is it so difficult to accept change? What happens when one day you look up and everything's different? Now, don't get me wrong. I know that change is a part of life. But it still doesn't make it an easy pill to swallow, let alone digest. It's even when we know that that change is necessary. James chapter 1, 2, verse James chapter 1, 2 through 4 says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face many trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature, complete, not lacking in anything. Those trials that James is referring to, that's change. Change has the ability to test the heck out of your faith. Change tests faith. But perseverance, or another word, process, builds our maturity. It builds our faith. It makes us complete. So we're lacking in nothing. I almost feel like chapter Six should have come before chapter four because if you read chapter four, they were celebrating that no one had any need. Everybody was in one mind. But then chapter six, they're arguing. So to me, chapter six should have come before chapter four. But if we read chapter four and chapter six with James one, two through four in mind, then maybe we can see it as Chapter four was the testing of the faith, and chapter six was the result of perseverance finishing its work. But since, you know, God didn't ask me to be a part of the Holy Bible editing committee, I would just read the Bible as it is, right? He didn't ask me, so. I would have told him, though, that chapter six should have been chapter four, and chapter four should have been chapter six, and it reads better that way. Because I just know. But at any rate, <laughs> at any rate, change can be hard. Matter of fact, change is a little uncomfortable. And if we're honest with ourselves, change can be scary. One of the enemy's favorite tactics is pointing out those things that jar us the most. He knows that by pointing out all the negative thoughts about change, we will complain and doubt more and trust and believe God less. But Marin Covenant Church, I came to let you know that the devil is a liar. He is a liar. And I know that Romans 8 and 28 says that God causes all things to work together For the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So the only thing we have to do is just trust God. So I said in the first sermon that I preached that I like to break God's word down in simple terms. It helps me and I hope that it helps others. So today I have for you the ABCs of trusting God through change. Hey, It don't get any easier than the alphabet. So you ready I said you ready all right here we go So the first thing we must do is a acknowledge that change is happening Moving from Georgia to California Was a task to say the least I Don't even think I realized how much went into moving across country I guess I thought it was going to be like moving across city. No, it's nothing like that at all. Has anybody ever moved across country before? Or moved ever? Yeah, okay. It is a rough experience. And it really has a lot that goes into it. And depending on how long you've been in a place, oh my gosh, the stuff that you can accumulate over years that you've forgotten about that just pops up when it's time to move. Sometimes it would be so much stuff that it would be too daunting. And sometimes for me, paralyzing. Like I would just sit there and just look at all the stuff and nothing would get packed, because I'm just looking at it. Oh my God, there's so much stuff. My, us- my husband, on the other hand, knew exactly what to do. He's just packing and throwing stuff away and putting it in boxes. Here's his boxes ready to go and taping up. He was going so fast, I couldn't keep up. It was just too much for me. Now, let me just be very honest with you. I'm going to be transparent and let you know that I do not do well with throwing things away. I (laughs) I don't like throwing things away. I feel like there's always going to be a use for those things. Like, I know I still need my seventh grade yearbook. I need that. You never know when I may need to look up that picture. Or that note that I wrote the um, lady at the grocery store saying thank you, then she wrote it back to me. I need to keep that because what if I see her again someday? I don't know. I just like keeping things. I'm not a hoarder, though. (laughs) I I just like cherishing things (laughs) that others may not cherish. I just, I like it. I can remember coming home one day, had a great day at work, and I walk up to see all these bags of trash outside because my husband was off that day. His trash. Just, just big bags of trash. And I was confused because I don't remember us talking about putting things in trash. And so when I walked in, I saw him putting more stuff in trash. Oh my gosh, the anxiety that build up inside I dropped all my stuff and literally started rummaging through trash, pulling out. This is cute. We can't throw this away. Do you remember when we got this? My husband walked in. He's laughing at me. He just shook his head and walked out the room. So as I'm literally rummaging through trash, it's like the Holy Spirit hit me like a ton of bricks. Daddy, you got to let some stuff go. Like, I'm changing your surroundings, some stuff you can't take with you. Change is happening. Acknowledging change is hard, mostly because at the same time, you're releasing control. I didn't like the idea of no longer being able to control what had always been what had always been in the same place was no longer going to be in my control. Now, I could literally see God changing my surroundings. Like, everything was changing. But I was reminded that even though God was changing my surroundings, he also had a plan. God had a plan. And it was a plan to prosper, not to harm a plan to give hope and a success. After we acknowledge the change, the second thing that we have to do is be, be honest. Be honest with ourselves and God about how we feel about the change. I'm one of those people that I get hot very easily. Like I'm hot. Like right now, it's blazing. You can't tell, but it's hot. <laughs> so that's why 365 days of the year, no matter the season, I sleep with a fan blasting in my face. It feels great. I love it. Even when I have a ceiling fan, the fan, ha- it's like, I love it. It's great. The fan just helps me go to sleep. I love the sound of the fan. The cool air hitting my face, oh, I sleep like a baby. I can remember I used to have this little cute little white fan by my bed. It blew exactly the way I needed to blow. Had the right sound. It was just enough just to hit me. It wouldn't wouldn't even touch my husband. Oh, it was great. On the flip side though, I never cleaned that fan. Like literally never cleaned that fan. <laughs> That fan was full of so much dust. Lots of dust. Sometimes when you turn it on it, (laughs) dust come blowing in your face. Mind you, I have allergies, I didn't care. I loved my fan. Oh, it helped me sleep at night. One day, my husband texts me, said, oh, I have a surprise for you. It's like, oh, wow, a surprise. I'm so excited. So when I get home, I say, hey, where's the surprise? He's like, oh, it's in the bedroom. So I run to the bedroom, looking for the surprise. As I'm looking for the surprise, though, I see by my bed this little round, bite-sized red fan. And I look, I said, what is this? Just like that. What is this? He says, oh, do you like your surprise? That white fan, oh, it was nasty. I threw it in the trash. What? <laughs> Family, let me tell you. The anxiety that built up. I'm, con- I'm going to call it anxiety because I don't want to call it anything else because that wouldn't be of God. Um, anxiety that built up at the loss of my fan. And then the fan was fine, I mean, it was cute. But I didn't like how the fan didn't blow as hard. It didn't blow as hard. My husband says, oh, it's not supposed to, it's supposed to be, it's this nice, soft blow. I didn't want that. I didn't like how the fan didn't make noise, it didn't have a sound. He says, oh no, it's not supposed to make sound. It's silent fan. What? (laughs) I don't want a silent fan. He says, in matter of fact, you can even put aromatherapy in and you can, it smells up the room. Oh, I'm asleep. I don't want that. This is the worst part of the fan. I'm sorry, honey. The worst part about the fan was that I didn't like how it would turn off when it felt I had enough air. <laughs> like, how can you tell me I'm cool enough? I did, I was struggling with this little fan. This went on for at least two weeks. Like I would wake up in the middle of the night. ah, oh, fan, fan, uh. It was bad. I had to be honest though. So I took my husband to the side. I was very honest and I told him how you know, him throwing away my fan really affected me. Probably deeper than it should have. <laughs> but affected me a lot, and this fan that's really nice gesture, I don't want it. That I don't like, it doesn't help me go to sleep. I need the sound. It helps me, fall. Follow- I like the wind. Well, because my husband knows me so well, he admitted that he actually didn't throw the fan away that it was he had hit it in his car. And so that he would give me back my fan as long as he could clean it first. And I said that's fine. So I got my fan back. <laughs> Sometimes it's not the change itself that causes pause, but how the change affects us. Change can sometimes cause all types of emotions that we didn't even know existed. What if I don't understand the change? What if I'm not smart enough to roll with the change? What if after the change is implemented, they don't need me anymore? What if there isn't room for me in this change? What if I can't keep up with all the changes that keep coming? What ifs can go on for days. But those what ifs are hard. And sometimes they can leave you feeling worthless. They can leave us feeling inadequate. They can leave us feeling lonely and unloved. But I tell you, those are lies from the pit of hell. Those are lies. Remember, I told you the enemy loves to plant negative seeds in our minds so that we become immobilized and that the gospel doesn't spread. The only way that we can get through this process of change is by trusting God. We have to be honest, stay positive. With our honest feelings, we take those to God in prayer and trust that Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is real because Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct our paths. We have to be honest. With ourselves about how change is affecting us and trust that the God that we serve will help us navigate through any change that we face going back to James chapter 1 verses 2 through 4 the first few words says to consider it joy my brothers and sisters when we face many trials this is the exciting point this is the exciting the excitement So we must celebrate, see, celebrate the big picture. There's always celebration in change. In Acts chapter 6, verses 5 through 7, when Peter heard about all the complaining, he never diverted from the big picture. He knew that something had to change, but still he was focused on the big picture, He and the apostles knew that no matter what was changing in the church, one thing had to remain. They could not neglect the ministry of God's word. So their answer to the change was to add more change. Sounds counterproductive. But if we read verse seven, it says, so the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Pastor Art is in a process of change himself. After 42 years of ministry and 13 years of pastoring this amazing church, he is preparing for retirement Only those of you who have been through this process know what emotions brings during this time. But the grace that he carries through this process is so inspiring. See, he knew that this change couldn't just stop with him retiring. So in order to make sure that he was caring for the people that he loved and served for so many years, another change had to take place. I remember talking to him shortly after I gotten hired here and I asked him, what is one thing you are looking forward to the most about retiring? The answer he gave me was not what I expected. He said, I can't wait to fall in love with my wife all over again. I was blown away. He didn't say I can't wait to kick my feet up, not to say that he's not. He didn't say that he couldn't wait to just sit and just watch reruns of the Dodgers play over and over again. (laughs) Or replay the loss that they had last night. He didn't say that. He said, I can't wait to fall in love with my wife again. That's his big picture celebration. Even though he's going through a process of change and he has some hard days, he is focused on the celebration of his big picture. Being able to have the energy, the time and the space to fall in love with his wife again. Isn't that special? That is amazing. What is your big picture? What's your resolve? After going through the change that you're experiencing, what is your big picture celebration that you're looking forward to? What is this all worth to you? If you don't have one, go before God in prayer. Ask him to give you a glimpse of the promised land. The only reason a mother, any mothers here, yeah, I have quite a few of you. The only reason you were willing to go through 40 weeks of discomfort. I'm going to call it discomfort because anything else would not be of God. <laughs> discomfort for 40 weeks and hours and hours and more hours of long labor is because you knew what the big picture was. You were celebrating, you were anticipating the celebration of holding that baby in your arms. So you were okay with going through the process of change. About 10 years ago, I had the opportunity to be a part of a leadership training taught by the late Dr. Sherwood Carthon of Boss Church, Bayside of South Sacramento. He was teaching about change, and Dr. Sherwood shared this saying with me. And the saying says, well, let me back up. He shared it with my pastor in Atlanta, and then our pastor back home made all of us learn it which was good, so guess what you're gonna do? You're gonna learn it too. You don't seem excited. It's okay, (laughs) it's okay. But the saying goes that healthy things grow and growing things change. And when you're change, or when you change, you're challenged. But when you're challenged, you have to put your trust in God. And when you put your trust in God, It breeds obedience. And obedience makes you healthy. So if healthy things grow, we have to celebrate the fact that right now, our church is healthy. We have a healthy church. Not many churches can say that, but we can. We have a healthy church. And because we are a healthy church, we are growing. But remember, growing things change. If you look around, I bet the church is becoming a little different. It's different than it was when you first joined it, and it's getting different every time you come. And you're reminded that when things change, you're challenged. Those challenges that the enemy tries to sell to you are lies, don't buy into it. Because remember that when we're changed, instead of believing the enemy, we're gonna trust God. And when we trust God, man, things happen. Just last month, we celebrated 50 years of ministry. 50 years, there's no way that a church can celebrate 50 years of faithful ministry without trusting God. When we trust God, it breeds obedience. Some of you who have been here for a while, I bet you if you look around, you don't see some of the people that were here when you first started. But you are. You're still here because you are obedient. And we know that the Bible says That obedience is better than sacrifice. And when God calls us to a place, we stay planted until God calls us out of a place. And when you're obedient, you become healthy. And healthy things grow. And growing things change. And when you're changed, you get challenged. But when you get challenged, you put your trust in God. And when you put your trust in God, it breeds obedience. And when you're obedient, you're healthy. And healthy things grow. And growing things change. And when you're changed, you're challenged. But when you're challenged, you put your trust in God. Because God, every time we trust in God, it breeds obedience. And when we are obedient, it makes us healthy. If we want our spirits to be as healthy as they can be, we must embrace change. Change is inevitable in any organization, any system, and just in life in general. Avoiding it and denying it won't make it go away, but acknowledging that change is happening being honest with ourselves and God about how we feel about that change and taking it to Him in prayer. And then having a celebration about our big picture helps us to be able to see the promise past the process. Amen? Amen. 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 So every week you all are given an action item. I bet you can guess what this action item is gonna be. I want you to memorize the saying. And I want you to memorize it because when I faced all the different changes of life, this saying kept resonating in my mind, kept resonating in my spirit. So take a picture of it, write it down. It'll be added to the devotional this week. But I want you to remember This, when you face those many trials, so that you can count it all as joy. So we're going to say it together out loud. Let's read it together. One, two, three. Healthy things grow. Growing things change. When you change your challenge, when you're challenged, you put your trust in God. When you put your trust in God, it breeds obedience, and obedience makes you healthy. Marin Covenant. I know that we all want to be healthy, but in order for us to be as healthy as we got to be and healthy as we want to be and as healthy as God desires us to be, we must first put our trust in God. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's stand and pray.